0: Hey everyone, Hayden here. This episode had some audio issues on my end that I only had noticed in post-production, but they're only particularly bad in the first 15 to 25 minutes of the episode, but nevertheless, I was pretty frustrated because I've been looking forward to doing an episode with Sean for a very long time. I hope you're able to look past the audio issues and enjoy this great episode that we recorded on Scream 6. where two unqualified critics give their opinions and try and differentiate themselves from every other podcast out there. My name is Hayden, and this week we're joining Ghostface as we head to the Big Apple. I'm joined by Sean Phillips from Math Teacher Movies. Sean, it's so good finally having you on the show.
1: It's so good to finally be on this podcast. I'm so excited. It's great.
0: Yeah, we've been talking back and forth for like two and a half years oh, now, yeah. so I think it's, it's about time. Exactly. How have you been doing? Tell listeners a little bit about Math Teacher Movies, I guess, before we get straight into Scream and, and talk about the movies themselves.
1: So Math Teacher Movies is an Instagram site I started right after the uh, twenty eighteen Oscars. Um I just realized that I talked too much on regular social media about movies and so you know my uh then girlfriend now wife told me like no just do this now and I was like, okay, cool. Uh so uh you know she uh like got me started on she had her own little uh like uh, history or um like Instagram type of thing. Um and so uh, then from there, I uh, met up with uh, Joe a couple of years back, and we started the uh, the Guy at the Movies podcast. And so uh, since then, it's uh, we haven't looked back since. It's been a
0: good time. Nice. Yeah. I We started our like podcast in the middle of COVID. We were just kind of yeah. like, locked down all the time, and I was talking about movies to everybody in my life, and I was like, all right, I need to give myself a platform to do this. So I completely relate to that. I've been listening to the Guy at the Movies podcast since you guys started it. I'm... A big fan, and it's nice to actually be friends with you guys at this point, yeah, too. Yeah, it's
1: been lovely to have you on a few times as well, especially for the yeah, Oscar ta- episodes.
0: <laughs> Talking the Oscars before all the craziness goes down tonight. Ooh, oh, boy. Um, but last year when Scream 5 came out, Wesley and I, we kind of talked about the franchise at large, and we talked about our thoughts on all of the movies. But before we get into 6 and we discuss like our thoughts on that film itself, what is your relationship to the Scream franchise and kind of horror in general? So horror
1: was a late bloomer for me. It's now like close to one of my favorite genres. But I, you know, I was an easily scared kid, and so I never really like. I, I never watched any of the scream movies. I never watched anything. So I just decided, okay, you know what? When scream five was coming out, I said, "Wait, we're still we're still kind of in a pandemic at this point. I'm just gonna watch all of the scream movies." I, I believe I did it two years ago, um, in October, and we had ourselves a little uh, fun time. Which every episode we. At another scream movie that we went over, and um I mean I loved them, and then you know since then I've also gotten involved in a lot of the other like horror movie kind of stuff and i I consider horror movies um the same relationship I have with spicy food where right. i um I love it uh but during I'm always like a big time wuss and I'm screaming and I'm crying, and you know but uh, i do I do love them after after at the end of it, so
0: right, comparing it to spicy food, I think is probably the best analogy because. Yep. I'm similar. Like a lot of the time, when I'm watching a deeply uncomfortable horror movie, I hate it. But then when I when the movie ends, I just can't get it off my mind.
1: I watch through fingers. I go completely horizontal, especially in the lean back scenes. I go even more horizontal. I'm terrified the whole time. So I mean, I'm like, it's but like I just have a blast at the end of it. And I think like you know when it comes down to it, I think three or four of the horror films of last year, which was a great year for horror, were on my top ten. So
0: I mean, yeah. For me, Barbarian was one of my favorites of the last year. That one just Barbarian. was stuck at the top of my list. And all my friends were like, really? Barbarian is sitting next to After Sun," And I was like, listen, I don't make the rules. It is how it is. I And that, that's how I feel about it. Was like Barbarian
1: was one where the, it really was only truly scary for that first act. And then after right. that, it, was, it did have some good horror comedy elements. But it just took this turn that was, you know, as long as you can, like, you know, take like the, the like absolute fear for a little while, you could enjoy the rest of it fully.
0: Yeah, I've I've made jokes to my friends that, like, that first half is, like, a very, like, David Fincher, Hitchcockian oh, thriller, yeah. and then you kind of get in the second half, it's just a Sam Raimi movie. Oh, yeah. It's, <laughs> yeah, <exactly>. it's very <laughs> t- hilarious. For me, I feel like I'm at that point with the horror genre where I've been so into it for so long that I'm kind of desensitized to it. Oh, yeah. But I tend to accredit Scream as the franchise that got me into the horror movies and got me, like, made me the horror fan that I am, and really, honestly, maybe the movie fan that I am. I-, I fell so hard for the original Scream movie and then the the subsequent sequels. Um, what do you think makes like the Scream movies so special and what makes them kind of stand out in a world where some of these franchises are just spinning their heels?
1: Well, these days, like everything has become meta. Everything has become self-aware. Um, but Scream cornered that in 96. I mean, they became like the first one to make fun of a scary movie while you were in a scary movie. So I think they made it fun. And that's mm-hmm. that was probably one of the... Uh, you know, most like fascinating things there is that they really truly made that first scream fun. It was originally called in the script, scary movie. And then like, they finally had scary movie that made fun of scream ironically. But I think that like, that was the first time you poked, poked fun at like film in general. Um, like you poke, but especially poking fun at scary movies and working through those tropes. And I, I think that that was like something that just really, really reached out to people. Um, and you know, because that's the one thing I always think about with uh, like horror movies, and my wife fights me on this, but um, I say that horror and comedy are very, very close because they yes. both have that guttural reaction. And so mm-hmm. when Scream basically did a horror comedy, not a silly comedy, but their self-aware nature did have, like, that comedic nature, they said, okay, you know, sometimes horror is enjoyed the same way a comedy is. It's great to see in theaters with a bunch of other people. It's great to have those reactions, and all of your reactions are very guttural. And I think Scream realize that that's what we're dealing with here
0: right i think yeah i've said that for years too it's so interesting to hear someone else say that because when you're making those movies like from a creative process they're they're so similar you have to make the audience react you have to make it a communal experience it has to be this this kind of thing that is meant to be enjoyed with other people and so like you said it's all about getting a reaction one is making you jump the other is making you laugh but both of those genres are really about narrowing in on that and i think with Scream, what, what makes it so special, at least in my opinion, is that it, it narrowed in on in a time where so many of these movies were kind of miserable to watch or so many of them were really bleak or were just downright bad. Yep. Scream uh, tapped into this ability to make you laugh while also having these great kills that were not, like, overly mean-spirited. I think a lot of those slashers had gotten to a point, you know, on their seventh, eighth movie in the 80s and 90s where they, had, they were either bad or they were, like, just not what people fell in love with about them. And I think scream just did such a good job, just rejuvenating that and bringing the audience, this renewed appreciation for the ability to fuse horror and comedy together. Well, what Craven back in the seventies
1: was a sick puppy. I mean, that dude oh, did yeah. like, like I've seen those movies. I mean, I think it was like, I spit on your grave and last house on the left where I'm like, I'm, I'm not okay, man. These are kind of yeah. like really messed up. And so um, I think that like he, his ability to lighten up a little bit and Yeah, make it a little bit more of a fun genre with kills, you know, so there's obviously still some intense things happening, but I mean, you know, we're going to talk about it in a moment, but, you know, killing someone like Drew Barrymore in the first act or not, sorry, not first act, first scene of a movie, right? I mean, that's like a Hitchcock level thing that people didn't know was a Hitchcock thing. And so you put her in there and it's iconic. It's perfect
0: especially when you look at all those posters, like I was revisiting some of the posters for the original screen movie. They're just all Drew Barrymore. Yeah. They were not marketing this movie on Nev Campbell in, in the slightest.
1: It's it, it, like, there's only a few films that have really, truly gotten away with that in the best way. And I think like executive decision did it, um, right. with Steven Seagal. And then uh, like, yeah, truly like psycho. I mean, that was the huge deal that when that happened, um, yeah. I'm, I'm I, am I, that's just something they, they love to turn this genre on its head. And, you know, they, they, as we're going to discuss later, they keep on turning it on its head. And I think right. that's like the, the best part of it.
0: Yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit about Scream 6 actually. Um, Cause with Scream 6, it takes the franchise away from Woodsboro for the first time in the films. And I think one thing throughout all these Scream films that's consistent is it's set in a sleepy kind of suburban town and it, you know they're able to tap into different fears and concerns in those towns, but it's always tonally aligned for the most part. I mean, three took place in in LA, yeah, but for the most part, it's, we've always been in Woodsboro. So, what do you think of like the shift from? The, not only the town, but the tone of those original films into something more dramatic with New York City. Well, I
1: remember when this came out and they were announcing that uh, Scream Six, like, was coming out. I said, "Well, Scream Five is this perfect bookend. Why are you doing a Scream Six? Why are you messing with this?" And then they said, "Oh yeah, no, we're gonna take it to New York as well." I said, "That was actually probably their smartest move. And mm-hmm. because you know, <clears throat> they framed up Woodsboro perfectly with like literally the first shot of, or the last shot of the first movie." And the last shot of the uh, fifth movie being the exact same. And yeah. I, I think that like that was this perfect frame of perfect house. Like they did the two killers again, which, you know, they, they've done every time. But um, I really loved that framing. And so this is like kind of like a sequel to those first five movies, as they sort of say. Um, and I really loved that move. And I really loved, um, you know, first of all, then after like, you know, my worries and stuff, the marketing got, like, pretty amazing. I mean, the market yeah. like, that first teaser showed up, and I said, okay, I'm on board with this. They're gonna change the setting. It's gonna work perfectly for, um, this type of movie, and <clears throat> it raised the stakes without losing its narrative. They were still in this cozy college campus. They were still in this cozy apartment. They still had all of the necessary mechanics of a screen movie, um, but they right. did, like, you know, they they inflated it a little bit, which I think was a really bold and amazingly good choice which you know it, it was a risk that pay, paid off
0: yeah no i totally agree and i think i'm on mike last year we did an episode as i mentioned talking about all the screen movies and i think i was like upset about the idea mm-hmm. of them doing another one i was, very I was upset, like yeah. listen i was like we got to end it here you you literally wrapped up that film on the the same way the first film ends like it's it's perfect it's chef's kiss let's 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 end it and now here i am with a new favorite second favorite screen <laughs> movie so I'm i'm eating my words here but I do completely agree. I think at this point in the franchise, giving it, you know, no pun intended, like fresh blood and fresh life um, is, is very important. And I think the shift to New York City allows them to continue to honor what works about those films and, and just give you a completely new eye and a completely new perspective on it.
1: Yeah, because I felt like I was watching an old school scream movie, which I, I truly didn't feel like in the uh, fifth one. I loved the fifth movie it didn't feel like a Scream movie as much. I mean, you know, it's a different director. It's a different look. It's, you know, like pretty much a completely different cast with the exception of the legacy characters. But I, I, in this one, I felt like there was a lot of stuff where they're just so close to Ghostface and he's comically bumbling after them and he is like stabbing people and they're able to run really fast after being stabbed, which by the way is a Scream staple and that's fine with me. And right. so like all of those parts, I said, okay, I'm still watching like the classic style of a Scream movie. And so I, I really liked that.
0: Yeah, I think, you know, we'll talk a little bit ab- more about it later, but the chases in this movie mm-hmm. are just remarkable, and it's such a return to what I fell in love with about those screen movies, which is, like, the almost, like, Scooby-Doo oh, yeah. tone that these movies can have at times, and this one really went back to that, I think. Um, I guess I, I'm curious about your thoughts on the New York City setting in particular, because— Jason Takes Manhattan is a, That's a large, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a huge joke amongst the horror community. There's a joke in this movie about it that I thought was really effective, but it's such a waste of the New York setting. And so I think when horror fans hear Blank Killer is going to New York, it's just like it carries negative connotation because of the Friday the 13th movie. But I think here, um, it really feels like you're in New-, like New York, like the honking of the cars at all times, the the police sirens that are always wailing in the background. I think they did such a good job channeling that energy. Do you think like New York city is the most interesting setting that you can throw Ghostface outside of Woodsboro? Well,
1: cause it is like, like we were talking about, Woodsboro is the suburban community, which is the scarier time to have a killer thud around. And so this was a big time challenge. And I think that, you know, like walking through New York city, you're scared anyway of getting mugged or <laughs> attacked and like in general. And so the fact that they were able to focus that fear on just some sort of murderer, like did work. And, you know, it is it, it works out very nicely when there are there start to be murders. There's, you know, <clears throat> the most populous community and they do tend to be assholes. And so they'll put on like scream masks after a few scream murders. So then on the subway, you have like five or six, like, you know, scream ghosts. And I think that right. that's like the, the you know, a good game of uh, Russian roulette that's happening. And I think yeah. that that's like the, the shell game that occurs then. And, you know, that subway scene was really I mean, granted, we saw it all in the teaser, which bummed me out a little bit. But it was yeah. still very well constructed, um, especially with Jasmine Savoy Brown being separated, which they don't, like, lead on in the trailer. And I thought that was a great, great movie.
0: Yeah, the trailer kind of leads you to think they're all on the subway together, the way they edited yeah. together. But it's it, she's just alone, and I thought that that was, was really clever. With, you know, with New York City, a city I've never been to, but um, my roommate says he loves New York, and he's been trying to get us to plan a trip there. And I think with New York, it's one of those cities where, like, people don't really care about what's happening in your life in Uh the immediate like like all the people surrounding you are just like they're doing their own thing and so i think having Ghostface stomping around and and killing people in new york is really interesting because half the people around them are just like listen man i got my own life i'm not really interested in whoever's trying to kill you right now (laughs) and i think that that tracks for new york
1: yeah it's a train run away from me and uh so i've been there like a multitude of times i got friends down there you know God, nice. on there for broadway shows and stuff and it is that where like you could like i mean i'm not even kidding like undressed naked and no one would look at you like like right it's packed people are just zooming by you i turn into quite the country mouse where i'm like looking around i'm like got my phone with the gps and i'm like so but like everyone's just zooming past it's 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 absolutely nuts it's really yeah. nuts and so yeah it's like a very interesting time to put that in the city like And I was worried they would go too big with it. I mean, and that's, you know, because there's an intimacy to uh, Ghostface. But they managed to, like, keep, like, while widening the scope quite a bit, they managed to keep, like, you know, the kills pretty solid.
0: Right. No, I do agree that that was actually my big concern was, like, how do you have someone wearing a costume Mm -hmm. stalking and killing multiple people in New York? Because when you think about how big that city is, that immediately brings up a bunch of logistical errors. But when you watch this movie, it actually makes sense Yeah, with the, you know, we'll talk about it. But with the reveal, I was like, oh, that's how they're able to be throughout all of New York at one time. Yes. (laughs) Uh, We don't have to like talk about the movie like chronologically or anything. But I think one thing I wanted to get your thoughts on just right to start is like the opening scene. Because for me, I feel like, you know, the screen movies have great opening scenes. Five was a solid opening scene, but nothing like overly memorable. It's just Jenna Ortega getting slashed, but then living. Uh, four is I think my least favorite opening scene in the franchise. It's a little too meta. I can't remember three's opening scene, and then two is of course the movie theater classic. Oh god, that's but, a great one. Yeah, I, I think that this was actually like my favorite opening scene from a scream movie aside from the first movie. Yeah, what did your what are your thoughts on this opening scene? Because I think there's a meta genius to it that is is really really interesting
1: well it's become famous for breaking rules in the first one right. obviously drew like uh like a huge movie star is just murdered after being advertised in all the campaigns uh the second one was you know they, they, they're being murdered in the like movie that is based off of scream called stab and so it's just like and it's murdered in like a very like populated area so it's not it shouldn't be as scary um yeah three and four i don't quite remember um the uh like openings for i i actually truly don't remember anything from four um which is like baffling
0: to me um yeah four's opening is is a really weird one where like you have two stars watching a stab movie and then one of them stabs her friend and then it's revealed that they're watching a stab movie
1: oh yeah and i then remember that now they yeah. get
0: killed and then they're they're those people are watching a stab movie it's just like a three-time thing where it's just like they're watching a stab movie it's really silly i was not a big fan of four that's been my
1: biggest issue um and I liked it, like that, like, the, these movies do constantly break the rules. So even though 4 is this ridiculous one, it did break the rules quite a bit. And then 5 did broke the rules as the main star actually survives, which is kind of like this, like, brilliant thing where, <laughs> like, from the start, like, you know, oh, wait, this is the actual star who should be getting murdered in the first scene, but instead is the main character throughout. And that should be just what a normal movie is. But in this one, right. it turns out to be the weird, like, you know, uh, you know, the twist on it. And then this one of course once again does the twist where um you know the, but they bring back you know Samara Weaving pretty solid movie star at this point probably I'm a big fan yeah, of her you know, like most like at least in the horror community people have seen her um and especially like this is the, uh, her second movie with Radio Silence and uh, you know Ready or Not which is just like that's where I have full faith in these guys, because Ready or Not is such a brilliant movie. Um, oh, yeah. And uh, so I, I really do love that they have her. And so I knew, I knew she was kind of getting axed right away. But then I did wonder. I was like, the, the ghost face pauses for a little bit. And I'm like, they're going to be like a yelling of cut. And they're actually going to be filming a movie. What's like the next move here? And then the killer is revealed right at that very moment.
0: And just rips his mask off. Yeah.
1: I'm like pissed and I'm weirded out and I'm wondering what's going on. Then I realized that most likely this means that, you know, now he's getting killed. And so this was like this very different meta take, but it broke the rules of a movie that broke the rules already. And like, keeps on breaking those rules. And I, I just keep on loving that that's what they go with. Um, Yeah. And I think that, that, you know, this opening scene now they're just going to keep on playing with. And, you know, people are just talking about scream seven, even though it hasn't even been announced yet. But you know, nowadays it's like, People have like full faith in them, Uh, but uh, I, yeah, it just kept on breaking rules and I love that.
0: I think, you know, it's one thing to have Samara weaving as the opening kill in your movie. It's another thing to kill her. I think like four minutes in my jaw was on the floor at how fast they get rid of her and then switch over to, uh, I don't want to butcher his name here, but I believe it's Tony Revolori. And just that once you reveal his face and he's the ghost face, I had no idea where it was going, but the second he, you know gets home and he picks up the phone call in his apartment i was like oh we're about to yeah. have a ghost face kill a ghost face here i just think that like you said it's all about breaking rules and the way that they're continuing to prove that they can have a creative way to just kickstart everything is is so impressive to me
1: it, it really is wonderful i i i just enjoyed this so much because of that and like and that's like the, their opening scene which that that's what you have to nail and so like yeah. if you you have to do that the right way otherwise you know you're your movie's going to be a little bit odd which you know Scream 4 probably my least favorite scream is the one where it's like the the goofiest opening scene as you're saying which it's so funny that i just can't even remember anything from that movie like i i almost rewatched it because i just don't remember anything
0: scream 4 is one of those ones i only think i remember it because i've rewatched it so many times yeah <laughs> it's uh it's certainly far from my favorite in the franchise yeah same
1: yeah i'm 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 a scream 3 loyalist um and uh, joe could not make it on the pod today but he's also like he loves scream 3 for what it is, which is the goofiest, dumbest comedy that, like, it it it's a freaking odd movie. I do like it though.
0: I, I honestly, yeah. Towards the ending, I want to do like some franchise rankings, and and I want to get you to to explain the the Scream three hype a little bit for me because we'll we'll get into it later. But yeah. like, that's one of those ones where I I, I try so hard with Scream three, and I just I can't. Oh, Aside most from, hate it. Um, most hate it. Like that's the thing. yeah. There's that one character I can't remember her name right now or who she's played by, but. You're in love with her, and you're in love with her daughter. <laughs> I just love that line. <laughs> uh, I, I, so something about Scream 6 that I really appreciated was I found with this film that the cast really clicked. Mm-hmm. In 5, you know, I liked them, and I was interested enough in them, but I think with 5, my heart was still with the legacy characters. I was still like, where's Nev Campbell? Oh my god, it's, yeah. it's David Arquette. And with this one, I think I finally was at the point with these characters where I was most engaged when I was watching them. Funny enough, when Courtney Cox shows up as Gale, I was like, "Oh, hi, Gale. How are, yeah. how are you?" Go back, go back to the other characters. Movie
1: treats her that way as well, pretty much.
0: <laughs> yeah, they, it does. So, what are you? What are your thoughts on the core four? And I guess, like, do you like them more now than you did after five, or what's your what's your relationship with this new cast of characters?
1: Well, I think they're intentionally, like, you know, they have done what the uh, original scream movies did is, you know, they they brought them together through their trauma, and I think that's a very important aspect of that, where those four were the ones that survived murders and got away. And so I, I like that they are like in this and they have that bond together through their trauma. And so it's, it's very essential because, you know, yeah, there, there was quite a few high school kids in that, uh, you know, uh, fifth one. And so what, you couldn't exactly like bring them all together. There wasn't a good time to gel them all together. But now they have that. Um I mean they're all like really good uh young adult actors. I mean obviously Jenna Ortega is like just hitting the YA circuit in the best ways with uh Wednesday um and this and X. Um then you got Melissa Pereira coming from in The Heights, which she hasn't done much other than that, but she is still doing like, you know, a fantastic job in this, I think. Like holding a character that is very difficult to hold. You have to like, you're, you're juggling a lot of emotions. It's a, they got a tough character with her writing it. I, I like the character. I think it's fascinating, but it is, that's a tough one to play. Mason Gooding, I'm not sure if he's either a good actor or he's just so damn charming. He's right. Like he's just so good looking and so charming. And I just love to watch him. And he's in like, um, I believe it's called Love, Vincent. And so he's like, he has this other corner of YA that's going on. And then uh, finally, Jasmine Savoy-Brown, which is in not – she's not in a lot of other stuff, which is a little bit annoying and a little bit frustrating because she's basically playing the uh, – I mean, God help me, the Jamie Kennedy character. <laughs> like right. She, and so she's playing it with a much more dry fashion, which I really, really like. Um, I think that let's think it's a different way to uh, have that character. And yeah, they they have the four of them together. Two of them are related. Um, there's definitely like some headbutting, some romance happening there. They might be doing too much with all four of those, the core four of those characters, but their, their chemistry can't be denied. And I really right. like that, you know, it, it, they have that shared trauma that I think you start to – you start to see not in the first screen movie but in the second one where you're like, okay, these people are going to, you know, quote-unquote make it.
0: Right. Yeah, great point. And I, I think with Melissa Barrera, like you said, this character is – Sam is a tough character. God. and. <laughs> There's a lot of people who are who are pretty harsh on Melissa Pereira in these movies, uh, especially five. She got a lot of flack for her performance in five in five. I thought she was fine. I wasn't like blown away by her. I didn't think she was bad. A lot of people said she was awful and ruined the movie. I was just like, I, I don't agree. Um, in six, I actually think that she really expands upon that character, expands upon her acting abilities and really taps into something with that character where I was like, all right, I, I'm, I'm kind of impressed by what you're doing here. Yeah. And, and with Mason, Go- Mason Gooding. He's just, like you said, he's just pure charisma. There's a lot of lines in this movie that shouldn't be sticking with me as much as they are. Like, the line where he's trying to stop Jenna Ortega from going upstairs at the party, and he's calling out this guy. And the guy's like, I didn't hear you. And he's like, yeah, you did. Yeah. It's just like, <laughs> the way he talks, the way he, he plays this character is just so entertaining, so charming. And, you know, we'll, we'll get to it, but I was so scared for him oh, at the ending geez. of this movie. I was like, no way. They did not. And... Thankfully, I think he's becoming the new Dewey, and I'm, I'm completely okay with 100% that. 100% the new Dewey. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, Jenna Ortega, she's at the point as an actress where, like, I don't need to sit here and be like, Jenna Ortega's performance in this movie was very impressive. Um, she's capable of doing so much, not to say with so little, because this character is well fleshed out. But there's just something about Jenna Ortega as an actress where, like, She's firing on all cylinders, even when she's like a supporting role, even she's not supporting here, but you, I think, you know what I mean? Um, and Jasmine Savoy Brown, uh, I want to see more of her. I want to see so much more of her. I'm a big fan of Yellow Jackets. And even on that show, she's not a huge oh, character. She is in so. Yellow
1: Jackets. I knew she was she's in something else. Yes.
0: Yeah. But so I guess we'll see more of her later this month when, when season two for Yellow Jackets starts, but I'm a big fan of her and I, I can't, I'm a big fan of this whole of core four. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, like you said, I think they might be doing a bit too much with the writing, like the the romance at times. I was like, I don't know if we need all this. But nevertheless, I thought that all these characters were are, are set up and expanded upon so much more than they were in the last film. And obviously, when you're making a sequel to a reboot, you need to yep. make these characters people that we can really root for and see a future with.
1: I got to just highlight quickly, Jenna Ortega's drunk acting in the first scene Like, it's so good. (laughs) I can't can't get over it. I I was, like, watching it, and I was like, this is not going to be, like, a main point for me, but this is really solid drunk acting, which is, like, so tough to do, where she is burying her trauma low while Barrera is showing it off to everybody who will listen. And so it's kind of, like, uh, every every which way.
0: Drunk acting is one of those things that is extremely hard and uh, very much one of those things that I don't think people appreciate when they see good drunk acting. Like... I didn't notice how much I appreciate good drunk acting until I watched Natalia Dyer in Stranger Things, and then oh, I was like, yeah. "Ooh, this is not good." You are, she's just like, "Oh, I'm so wasted," and I'm like, "Oh well,
1: no!" I, I think the key to drug acting, what Jenna does, is you're trying to be sober. Right, and that's what you have to go like. You're you're trying, and she is really trying hard to be sober during that. And I thought that was like a great little subtle like uh, nod.
0: Yeah, no, I completely agree. I think that she's. She's working with so much. Like, obviously, a lot of the story is centered around Sam. Yeah. Um, but I think Jenna Ortega as, like, the co-lead is just so remarkable. And at this point in her career, I feel like people are talking about her the least because she's got so much goodwill in oh, the yeah. industry already. But, you know, I, I was still really impressed with with what she did in this movie. Yeah, definitely. And I, I also i am curious, like, in the absence of not only David Arquette but now Nev Campbell as well – do you find yourself like missing the original cast while watching this movie? Or do you think that the new cast is finally able to like step into those shoes and, and not need the big legacy characters? I mean, we have Kirby and Gail here, but
1: I mean, obviously I was, um, I was team, uh, team Nev, when she wanted more money. It's like pay, pay, pay the lady. You guys are like the biggest franchise right now. The, the most successful horror franchise, pay the woman yeah. and stuff like that. I thought it was fine that she wasn't in it. Um, I thought I'd like, you know, just having like Courtney Cox kind of on the outside um, I thought that was, like, perfectly fine. Um, I agree. And I think, like, the Kirby edition was good because I like that she sort of, like, was able to match with uh, Jasmine Savoy Brown very well because the two of them are kind of, like, the most obsessed with horror movies. And, like, that that scene might have been a little bit annoying when they went back and forth, but also was kind of funny. And I was just like, okay, this is this is the go-to scream scene where they just go back and forth with horror movies. And she was the one that was the most obsessed with horror movies, I believe. In screen four, she is the one that like, you know, when they give like the quiz or the what's your favorite scary movie, um, they like she just names like five, like fifty scary movies right away.
0: <laughs> and it's like all of them, yeah. yeah.
1: And I was like, That's brilliant. That's actually like this brilliant move. And so having her in there match with Jasmine Savoy Brown was like a good like a great stroke. But yeah, I didn't really you know, they did a good job with like Nev's character. They're like, Oh, where is she? Oh, she's with her family. And it's like that's fine. She-
0: like, she's in hiding yeah I'm like as she should be yeah it's yeah.
1: like yeah sure that makes more sense i mean um right and uh, i yeah i like the courtney cox like you know is on the outs with them because she wrote like another book which of course she would um yeah and yeah i i think you know i mean uh, my my main concern here is like what, why do you need to keep courtney cox alive like there's no reason for it and the fake out deaths were bothering me quite a bit and it's like you know it, it would be more fun if you know like they they were they were dispatching of each character kind of like the uh the Star Wars movies almost were like Han Han loses it in seven uh, Luke's gone in eight and Leia's gone in nine, which wasn't the case, but was going to be the case originally. And right, so yeah. it would have been kind of cool if um, they, they kind of do that same thing where it's like David Arquette's gone. then Courtney Cox is gone. And then, you know, they're bringing her back. They're bringing back Sidney Prescott like, for that yeah. seventh one somehow. And so like she'd be gone in that one, but now like keeping her alive, I think it seemed like a very odd move. Especially because like they give her a death scene. Yeah, they, it's
0: it's a she gets a very moving line.
1: Scene. Yeah. Like, and then you keep her a lot. that that was one of the things that really drew me back on this movie that like kind of ruined it for me a little bit. There was a lot of fake out deaths, which, you know, as we always make fun of Dewey like just coming every single one time. Dewey stabbed in every movie and then just is like leading, like going up into a hospital and into an ambulance.
0: Totally fine. De- yeah, Dewey's the type of character to get like his throat slit and just like put his hands over it and be like, I'm fine, I'm just going to a hospital. <laughs> Yeah. Um, I, I do completely agree with you about Nev Campbell here though. I think, you know, obviously I'm Team Nev. She led the franchise. She's one of the most uh infamous characters in horror. And so I think like it only makes sense to pay Nev what she's what she's wanted and to bring her back. But in the case of her not being here, I think they really made it work. I I don't think I was constantly like, I wanna see Sydney. I think I was watching the movie and really enjoying it for what it was. And also simultaneously acknowledging, like, we're going to get Sydney in the next movie. It's not like she's gone from the franchise.
1: This wasn't like Creed 3, where, like, it felt just weird that they didn't even say Rocky's name. Like, that yeah. just, is, like, still feels a little bit weird to me. This, it's like, oh, no, they did, they did a quick write-out, and it wasn't, like, it didn't feel like a toss-aside. It did just right. feel like that this is genuine and will happen. Like, this is perfectly fine. And I, 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 I thought it was handled very quickly, very well, and it made
0: sense. I think it's actually harder to buy that Sydney would be like, all right, I'm getting on a plane to New York and I'm going to go help these guys again. I just, I don't know if I buy that. <laughs> Cause
1: she wanted out like way before that. Like she, she didn't want to be, Oh, not the actress, but yeah, the, the character did not want to be in scream five. She's like, I'm chilling with my kid. Leave me the hell alone.
0: Like I'm married. I'm just yeah. trying to live my life. Um, how about these ghost face? Stop trying to kill me and all my friends yeah. away
1: from this city. I do not need to come back. So even that one felt a little bit odd.
0: Yeah. I do think that Hayden Panettiere really holds, holds her ground here. I think that, you know, Kirby's a character in scream Four that. A lot of people described as a fan favorite and yep. loved. I liked Kirby. I wasn't like, Oh yeah. Kirby's the best thing to happen to this franchise. Like people really love that character. Um, And I think that she's, she's really great here. And I yep. think that she actually does expand on what works about that character in four and delivers a character that's even, even more compelling than she was in the original movie.
1: Yeah. I, it was definitely the better character that I saw before. and. You know, I, I like that there was a lot here that where people, you know, including our big reveal uh, where people are dealing with either grief or trauma and how they yeah. deal with grief or trauma. And so she's just like, oh, yeah, no, I decided to become an FBI agent. <laughs> and so like that makes sense. And so, yeah. like, you know, she wants to like fight people that way. And, um, you know, so like everyone is dealing with it their own way. Like Melissa is telling everyone she knows that she liked killing people. Chen um, Ortega is burying it down. Um, And, uh, you know, like every single person is doing their own thing to deal with what has happened to them in the past. And, you know, that was just another side of it, which worked very well.
0: With Sam as a character, I felt really bad for her. I had a lot of sympathy when she's talking about how everybody thought that she was the mastermind behind these killings. But then at the same point in time, I'm like, stop telling everyone that you shot him in the head, slit his throat and stabbed him 25 times. Maybe people won't be theorizing if you if you stop telling people that.
1: It is tough, because I did, like, think, like, wow, that's probably pretty unrealistic. That doesn't make a lot of sense. Then I've seen what's on the internet these days, and I'm like, oh, wait, actually, you know what? There could be a lot of people that think that.
0: Right. Like, there was a lot of people with five who were like, really? They met on a a Reddit page? And I was like, absolutely they would. It's 2023. It makes a lot of sense that two (laughs) deranged people would meet on a Reddit forum. Oh, man. I feel like, um, yeah, Gale is one of those characters in this movie, though, where I was just like... I don't know. I, I've heard a lot of people saying that, like, they handle her character very well. And I think that if she had died in her death scene, I would actually agree with that a little bit more. Because she gets that final line where she's just like, tell Sidney he never got me. yeah, And that's just great. And then she ends up living via a line at the ending of the movie. And I was like, oh, sure. Okay.
1: Yeah, like, yeah. we don't even get another scene with her. I, I don't <laughs> I don't understand why that was there at all.
0: It feels like a last-minute script change. In my opinion, they were just like, maybe we shouldn't kill Courtney Cox. Let's just keep her around in case. Uh, I think for me, one of the standouts that I had mentioned earlier is this movie has so many good chase scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, like, you know, Scream 5, a film I really like and is one of higher up on my ranking of the franchise. I think it has, like, no chase scenes aside from that opening one with Jenna Ortega, which isn't really a chase yeah. scene. Um, so it, I like that radio silence clearly like took notes of what people's issues with five were. And they were like, all right, you want chase scenes. Here's eight of them <laughs> out of the chase scenes. Is there anyone that particularly stuck with you or any moment that was like, okay, this feels like a classic scream chase. Well,
1: I want to like shout out the ones that are close calls. And those are the ones I liked the most where, you know, there's one moment at the very beginning when they're on the phone. Um, and, um, uh, it's the, you know, it's the dead guy's phone. It's, um, uh, I forget his name, but, uh, uh, Oh, Richie. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Phone. And then all of a sudden he's right there. And so they are right close to each other while they are running from him. And I think like, that's like, th- those are the great ones that we haven't seen in a while, but obviously I think, I think you're probably going to have this as your favorite as well. But that ladder scene was so great. That was where yeah. I was getting classic scream where he is just, you know, using everything around him. He is just straight up using everything around him to fuck with them. And so in this point he, he doesn't have a knife. She's escaping with a ladder. And so he just grabs a ladder and starts shaking it with brute force. And yeah. that's where I'm like, okay, this is, this is like our traditional. Granted, Ghostface is a different person every time, but this is the typical Ghostface thing we see, where he's just like a, like a barbarian, just straight up like just grabbing something and like causing chaos and causing issue with it. And like, the, you know, it was funny because the, the, actually being on the ladder didn't scare me as much because I'm like, that doesn't seem that high up. I mean, yeah, you could probably die from that fall, but, or you could just like get a little bit of a boo boo. Um, but then, you know, obviously her head just like immediately hits the, um,
0: I was like, certainly not a boo-boo.
1: Yeah. That that one, uh, rough, rough luck on the fall. Um, I, I, I did like enjoy that when I said like, this is the obstacles that we're getting with radio silence where, you know, like in ready or not, when she has all those obstacles put in front of her. Um, and then including, uh, you know, here where these are, these scream obstacles and the scream chase. And I just love a good horror obstacle. And that, that one was my absolute favorite.
0: Yeah, I agree. I also really, honestly, I loved the Gale chase scene. I don't think Ghostface has ever called Gale before. I don't think we've ever got, like, we've gotten Gale chase scenes, but this one just really stuck out to me where she's wrapping herself around like the pillars in her apartment. She's trying to do anything to just get away from him for one second, and she gets so resourceful in this scene, and I just thought it was a classic scream chase scene where it's like, throw anything to stop him. Like, oh, yeah. Throw in bookcases, throw in, you know, shelves, throwing tables is just a perfect chase scene for me.
1: Well, all of these were like, you know, obviously, because it's in New York, you have to be in claustrophobic apartments. And I thought right. that worked very well because it's like, yeah, once there's a killer in there, you know, usually these are in big suburban houses where they're still running from them. But they can, like, you know, take quite a few corners, go into quite a few rooms and everything. But, uh, with, um, this, with this one, it's like, you know, I've, I've been in those, oh yeah, those New York apartments, my buddy's got one. And it's like, you know, the rent's probably tripled my mortgage and, uh, it's <laughs> like, the square footage is insanely low. So it's like
0: a bathroom. Oh, it's God, like, this yeah. is, this is the apartment.
1: It is so many, just like small corners, like here and there. And I'm like, it's great to have ghost face. Just like, cause you know, running from a dude in there is a nightmare.
0: Right. One of the first things I said, when I got home from the movie to my roommate, he was like, how was it? And I was like, so many apartments with one door, oh, you know, like I thought that was such a brilliant choice and it's so fitting for New York is like the entrance is the exit and that's the only way that you're getting in or out um, and uh, with a lot of the houses in the previous screen movies, there's a back door uh, you can jump out a window on the second floor, there's a front door, so there's so many options that yeah. you can try to use to get out, but here you got one door and if Ghostface is blocking it, you're kind of fucked yeah. and I thought that that was like perfect.
1: It was, it was like yeah, that, 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 that setup was just so great I loved that
0: yeah. And like you had mentioned the scene where he's right behind them and he jumps out and that's what leads into the bodega scene. Which oh, is yeah. Just like a, one of those scream moments that is really sticking with me. I was just like Ghostface with a shotgun just mercilessly wreaking havoc on a bodega is like a, a standout moment for me.
1: Well, I remember that there was like quite the controversy when people were like Ghostface would never like use a shotgun. And I'm like, no, Ghostface would use whatever his hands can grab like yeah. that's how he goes he he uses whatever he's got there not to mention like we keep on saying ghostface is one person he's not right <laughs>
0: but- that's literally what i was gonna say is like i've heard that criticism so much it's like ghostface would never use a shotgun i'm like well ghostface is never the same person he's ever it's a literally- guy ghostface has been like 15 people which so- drove
1: me nuts in um like the fifth scream when uh like you know the the original three are just like let's finish this i'm like you're not facing the same dude. I mean, it's not Mike Myers, man. <laughs> like,
0: but you're, like, not, you're not really finishing anything. It's just yeah. starting over again. It's like,
1: let's finish. It's like, well, someone's going to pick up the mask in 10 years again, my man. Like, that's how this works.
0: Yeah. At this point, like, the second we saw in the opening kill, like, Tony Revolori has a ghost face. I was just like, oh, man, there's so many of these guys. Like, it's just, there's probably, like, eight ghost faces in each major city in America. <laughs> like... I, I do love that, like, what was it,
1: Samara William to say film professor of horror movie films. It's like, that's not a thing. I don't, I don't even care if you're at a film school. Like, that's still not a thing.
0: A film studies teacher, maybe. A slasher film yep. teacher, absolutely not.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, not even, like, like, horror film might even be a class. Slasher film?
0: No. <laughs> no. It's just the whole class is her just talking about slasher movies. I was like, yeah, I would take that course if that was a course I could take, but it's not. So. Oh, man. Um, I'm curious, like, you had mentioned the themes of this movie and the uh, the overarching idea of like trauma and how people different people process grief. Did you feel it was a little underbaked, or do you think that this narrative kind of lines up with the story?
1: It rang very hollow to me. Um, yeah, especially like with our reveal, which I thought the reveal was fine um it's very manic um which is like how those reveals go they're always like you know they act normal the entire movie and then they're like the like goofiest like psycho looking people <laughs> and like Dermot is just going full <laughs> full scale on that one and yeah yeah so I, I mean like i just think yeah it just ran a bit hollow um it started off pretty promising and then by the end uh, I, I i don't know i didn't really connect completely yeah so the themes are like grief and getting over tragedy and everything, but. Yeah, they don't exactly work totally.
0: Yeah, I I think that, like, there's moments that really work for me with that theme, but I think the problem is that they, Mason Gooding's character and Jasmine Savoy's Brown character, like, they just, they're just fine. Oh, they're fine, They (laughs) They're completely okay. They're not, like, struggling at all. They're just like, hey, new city, we're having a good time. Uh, But, you know, the Jenna Ortega character and the Melissa Barrera character, especially with Melissa Barrera, is where they really try to lean into those themes. And because there's so many characters operating in this movie, I think when they only give those two characters that main theme of trauma i think it was just a little bothersome for me so i do agree with you there yeah what did you what did you think of the kills in this movie because there's a lot of people talking about scream six as the most brutal kills of the franchise it's the most creative kills of the franchise and at first i was like all right that's a that's a high bar but then once we get into the movie i was like holy shit these kills are nuts this
1: was the goriest scream movie for me um yeah i think it really earned its r rating i mean no, most of the time you just see like stab 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 and you know it's it can be like vicious at times but this was one where like people were stabbed through the head people were stabbed through like you know various uh parts of their body i mean that fall even uh from uh, that one character like you know that like was oh, pretty yeah. intense it was and nasty i i think that through all of these yeah there's like some really messed up stabbing happening and so like i think that like you know, they, they had some fun with the gore. Um, they, they avoided it from being too campy, but, like, it was pretty rough. Um, So uh, I think, like, it had the creative kills. I still am just not over the fact that, like, granted, hey, I, I love Mason Gooding. I love Mason Gooding's character, but I, I, I get a little bit annoyed by the fake-out deaths. I think there were three, yeah, three people that, like, survived, like, intense stabbings who, you know, should have been killed. Jazz and Savoy Brown should be dead as well and you know i love those two characters so i'm glad they're going to be with us for another movie but i i i get mixed with the fake out deaths i think about that with uh, stranger things um and uh, max where that was a very disturbing death uh it really bothered me a lot i don't want to see a kid die but i also don't want to see a kid almost fake out die and then not die and i think that like yeah you know if you're gonna make stuff intense you you got to kill some people and i so like as as the movie went on i realized i was like what is the body count here? Because it doesn't seem like it's that much with all the people that survive.
0: Yeah, I'm genuinely curious. I watched this YouTube series. It's something I've been into since I was like 17 (laughs) years old called The Kill Count, um, done by Dead Meat. And I'm very curious about his kill count for this movie. Or I have to rewatch it because they they promise, you know, with this movie, the body count's going to be higher. And I was like, is it? I, I think some of the other screen movies might have it beat here because there's some brutal kills here, but not a lot of people die. So if I think
1: about it, you know, the three killers, uh, the three people in the opening, um, one other person, two. So like, I think it might be only that many, like only like, like 10. 10. Yeah. If yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. well, the people in the bodega. Yeah. So that so I guess there, there's a lot in the beginning. I think the problem is that it does taper off because the people that are killed survive, I think. Right. And you know what? Yeah, that's what the screen movies do a lot of the time. They, they truly do that a lot of the time. We're like, like we always mentioned, Dewey is a fake out death every single movie which, yeah
0: like each time
1: <laughs> which i expected to see him at the end of five i'm like yeah he's gonna just be put in an ambulance <laughs>
0: like, <laughs> yeah they're just wheeling him out six he shows up he's completely fine just a little bit of a limp yeah uh, I, uh, I did miss dewey here but i i do think that when you get that little moment where the dewey theme plays when when they're talking about him i indeed. love that um that instrumental and i was just like yes it feels like he's here <laughs> uh i always miss dewey yeah me too but you know i they're trying to make Mason Gooding the new him. So I'll take it. It works. It does work. <laughs> right. I, I guess with the kills in this movie, though, that's actually a really interesting point that you've made because we were counting them out there. And I was like, oh, shit, this is like quite quite a lot of kills. Like we're naming like four or five kills at a time there. It's like three in the opening, then more than like four or five people die in the bodega. But because it tapers off the way it does, I think it feels like there's not a lot. It's just there's a lot in the front half. And then yeah. the, the ghost face really slows down as the movie goes on. Is there um is there any that st- that stood out stood out to you though It's just like holy shit this one really is lingering in my mind
1: it is funny it's the um but you fucked with my family um so that's the killer getting killed which you know yeah. should be totally fine but like that going the the eye going through there the the Foley work on that you know they were using more than just tomatoes there 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 was yeah, some was nasty. I, I I heard some crunching happen and I was like that that one made me squirm quite a bit and like you keep on saying. I'm pretty desensitized to gore now. I think most of it is, like, pretty, like, you know, kitschy and campy when you go full gore. I mean, Cocaine Bear, they, like, you know, ate Ray Liotta's intestines, and I was just laughing along while clapping. <laughs> and so I think with this, this if it's going to make me squirm, it's going to do a lot of work, and this did it for me.
0: Yeah. No, I agree. And also the, the fall from the ladder was like... Oh, that's that not a, a big one, yeah. Yeah, that's not, like, a classic Ghostface kill. So I think at first I was just, like this is the rare time that Ghostface just kind of like kills by, by proxy, you yeah. know, like she just falls off a ladder. He's like, Hey, all right, I'll take it. Wasn't me, but <laughs> <It> was <gravity. laughs> I was just shaking it. I didn't make her fall. <laughs> uh, but I think when you see the way that her face hits that, that dumpster Ooh. is just like absolutely nasty and really stuck with me. Um, and on top of that, you know, when uh, at the very beginning, when Tony Revolori is getting slashed up and you kind of start to see his intestines almost fall oh, out. Yeah. I was just like, "Ooh, that's pretty, pretty <laughs> disgusting. Before Ghostface delivers like my favorite line ever, which is who gives a fuck about movies? And I was just like, wow. All right. This is where we're at with the franchise. Um, what did you think of the, the killer reveal? Because we, we had just been talking about them a little bit. And at first, when, when it was revealed who the killer was, I think me and the friend I seen it with were just like, oh. Like, this is this is the big killer reveal, and then, you know, it, it. I guess the cop, like, 25 minutes into the movie. And so I was just like, hmm. And then as they start taking off their mask, it's Quinn, and then it's, um, I can't remember the character's name, but it's Jack Champion, who yep. plays Funny of Spider from Avatar 2.
1: I was, I looked him up right after, because he looked familiar, and so did the daughter, who, yeah. like, looked familiar, looked her up, could not find her or anything, but damn, she was bothering me. Like, I, she right. really looked familiar, but... Yeah, it's just spider. In him. <laughs> that was great.
0: Just the worst part of Avatar 2. And oh, I was like, who, God. who is this? The entire movie. And then when I pinned it down, I was like, wow. He really does look like him still. I just the haircut it oh, just yeah. threw me off. I'm used to seeing him with dreads, I guess.
1: <laughs> the white boy dreads, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I think the reveal is fine. I don't think these movies are like, when I really think about the reveals in every past movie, they're always pretty dumb. I thought the fifth one was, mm-hmm. had the best reveal of like recent... Uh, other than that they just always feel like you know they're, they're they're normal characters that act like very normal and then all of a sudden they just like put on crazy eyes and they're a little bit goofier and you know they and their their reasoning is always a little bit dumb like the reasoning on this one is like pretty ridiculous like but it is. Um, especially cuz like they don't believe in the uh theories like they don't believe in the theories they just think like you know oh no he was a murderer but you still killed him and I'm like, I, guys, like, I think you're focusing on the wrong thing. I mean, um, but yeah, I mean, like the reveals are never the part of Scream that I love the most. Or when I do, I just think their crazy goofiness is the most fun uh, like, yeah. you know, aspect of it. I mean, like my, from my entirety, like when grading this one, uh, because this felt so much like a classic film, all of the flaws in there are Scream flaws. They are all like Scream movie flaws. And that's not a good excuse, but it is the reasoning behind it. So I felt myself in a conflict where I said to myself, like, I don't know. I mean, that's what screen movies are supposed to be. But, like, does that make it an excuse to have these goofy flaws and everything? I mean, this one was the Red Herring's Red Herring. Um, It's like, you know, Hugh Grant being the murderer at the end of uh, that uh, miniseries on HBO that I can't remember. Um, And it's like, you know, oh, he was obviously the killer the whole time. And then he turned out to be the killer. Same thing here, where it's like you know, oh yeah, that like you know, these people are pretty obvious. Especially they call out the roommate, uh, and yep, turns out to be him. And yep, I and so I mean, a little bit of it was surprising. I I'm I do say to myself, if I can predict something, then it's bad. I didn't predict this. I was an idiot that fell for Dermot Moroney's phone call, where it's like you know, Kirby's not actually an agent, and I was like, I fell for that too. It's Kirby. Like I I actually like I did sort of think like, hey, that would be a hell of a Ghostface reveal if it turns well, out to be her.
0: Yeah, especially because for years there's been this fan theory and there's been like these ideas that maybe Sydney would one day be the killer. And so I thought, you know, they're never going to do that. They're never going to make Sydney the killer. But by having it be Kirby, which I thought for a minute, I was like, that allows them to still use that plot device of like somebody getting caught up in a ghost face killing spree and then kind of losing their mind because of that. And then, you know, once they reveal it wasn't that, I was like, oh, okay. But I thought that was really interesting at first. And I did fall for that almost yep. immediately.
1: It, was, it was, I was I was very impressed by that quick fake-out. And, I mean, there's, there's like, the part of, like, the back of my brain that it's like, the, there's still 30 minutes of the movie left. And so, like, there's a the part of me saying, like, well, that would reveal wouldn't happen just yet. So that's yeah. where I thought, like, you know, that's the only thing that's saving her. And that turned out to be the case. But, um, yeah, that was a good little fake-out at the very end.
0: I think I need to mo- spend more time listening to, like, the you know, like the discussion that they have about the halfway point in this movie where Jasmine Savoy Brown is naming who it could be and all the suspects and we're in a franchise now, yada, yada, yada. I think I need to pay more attention to those scenes because in five, Dewey straight up says, never trust the boyfriend. Sorry, it just, you can't trust the boyfriend. Oh my God. And then in this one, Jasmine Savoy Brown is just like, you guys are random roommates that we don't really know. So we're not trusting you. I need to pay more attention to this stuff because they pretty much are revealing the killer at the halfway point of all these movies. And I'm just like, i wonder who it could be these past two they really just lay it out there right away yeah it's yeah it's not even subtle they lay it on so thick and i still can't piece it together (laughs) i yeah but i think when this when this reveal happened it landed for a bit of a thud with me but then the longer i've I've sat with it i'm like well in scream one it was it was billy and stew and then in scream two it was billy's angry mother who is getting revenge for what sydney had done to billy and so I guess it makes a lot of sense that in the reboot, it was Richie. And yeah. then in the sequel to the, to the reboot, it's the angry parent. So it does track. And I think the longer I sit with it, I'm like, that is a, a fun layer of meta. Even if the killer reveal was a bit of like a, Oh, this is who it is. Moment for me. Um, You're never
1: too excited with the killer reveal. I've never been like excited with it. It's like, you know, Oh, Billy Loomis's mom really like, you know, I, I, there's always been like a little bit of a, they've always landed a bit in a thud, but I've just had so much fun up to then that I'm like, totally yeah, okay
0: with it <laughs> I will agree that, like, you know, a lot of the time the killer reveals in these movies is, is the weakest part of them. And when you look at the the franchise's history, it's like a lot of these scripts have gotten leaked at times throughout their production. So they'll often just, like, change it to a different person. And then that's why I think a lot of these killer reveals is just like, oh, that's who it was. It's just because of the fact that, like, Wes Craven's like, well, it was supposed to be this character. But never mind, just make it this character. <laughs> um, I'm curious, like. Where do you want to see this franchise go next? Because after, you know, we have that big moment where Sam kills Dermot Mulroney's character in just like this absolutely brutal fashion, just really channeling Billy Loomis, if not worse than Billy Loomis. She's stabbing up his arm and then like eight times in the chest and then just right through the eye. Um, Nasty stuff. Where are you? Where are you looking to see the, more from this franchise? Like with seven, if you could lay out your own idea for it, what would it be?
1: I mean, at this point now, I don't want it to conclude. After wanting it to conclude with five, um, I now want like Radio Silence to keep making these. They they understand the scream type of movies. I mean, at this point, it will be tricky because I think you you, you let them marinate for a while on this. I think they have to graduate from college. Um, God, do you bring in another class? I I I wonder if Melissa Barrera could be ghostface i wonder if that's a good idea or a bad idea i think that it's better to watch her in her inner turmoil which you don't see ghostface go through that inner turmoil or whoever you know the ghostface killer is it's always supposed to be a surprise so the fact that they're like leading her too close to this like murderous nature that she has i don't think you could ever put her behind the mask um i think that that conflict is too juicy and too much fun or interest to do that um then again They are kind of telegraphing that she is going to be a problem. She is going to be pretty messed up.
0: Yeah, that ending. They really linger on that last shot
1: for a minute. I was like, oh, man. And then she throws the mask down, but she's going to be fighting this her whole life. I think, like, you know, she, man, it's really tough. Um, But, uh, you know, I'd love to see these four go again. Um, I wonder, like, you know, I'd assume they'll go back to Woodsboro now. I think they'll bring it back to Woodsboro or bring it back to some sort of, um, suburban area i think you got to go back to the suburban area now i don't think like you know next one is going to be in like chicago or something although be- <laughs> right <laughs>
0: um, but uh go space in detroit oh,
1: well that, that, <laughs> that's even more than new york where it's like you know that's fine <laughs> like, yeah stabby then no cops show up like that's all the good <laughs> like um oh man i yeah i don't know where it goes i think that you know after doing five and six in succession like this i think they need to take a break because otherwise if you rush this next one I have a feeling, you know, lightning's not going to strike three times. And so I think, I think they got to chill a little bit, although, you know, I am looking forward to a seventh one, but I hope they do take its time.
0: Well, I agree. I think the turnaround for, for this one was so fast. Like, it's crazy that we released our Scream 5 pod last January. And here we are a month or a year and two months later talking about the sequel. Like that's a very fast turnaround.
1: And this wasn't a two film deal. They announced it a little while after Scream 5. And so I'm just confused on how that was like at all able to occur. I guess they really rushed everyone in there. I mean, Ortega doesn't exactly have the most open schedule right now. She's doing everything.
0: Yeah, it is crazy that they were able to make it happen so fast and honestly make it as good as it is. Because a lot of the time when you, you know, I love Scream 2, but there's a lot of people who are like that movie is rushed and messy and – I don't think I'll disagree. I think that that's a completely valid criticism. And with six, it it doesn't feel rushed and messy. It really feels like they had this movie ready to go. uh, And they just deliver with it. There's a chance they had it written
1: already. And they were just like hoping that it would get picked up. And, you know, I think they had enough faith in themselves. They could have, they
0: could have had it that way. I think because otherwise it's really impossible. (laughs) Right. I think for me with seven, like I don't really know in particular what I want from this franchise either Like, I don't know if the, like you said, I don't think the Melissa Barrera as a killer thing would work because that inner conflict is so interesting for a new protagonist, you know, Sydney would get away from these murders and she would just be like, I'm just trying to move on. I I have no business thinking about this stuff, but Melissa Barrera, you can tell that this is really eating her alive. Like the, the fact that she's not only killed people in such brutal fashion, but that she's the daughter of Billy Loomis, it's a very interesting inner conflict. And I think they have to keep that going for as long as they can. Uh, I I think I kind of want to see this long-running fan theory of Stu Macher coming back and facing off against Sydney.
1: Okay, I keep I on hearing about this. So so let me just It's
0: kind of stupid. Who is Lillard, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean he's dead though, right? Or he he gets stabbed a couple times by Billy, but at this point in the franchise, what does that mean? <laughs> um and then he gets a TV dropped on his head. So he's the one that got the TV dropped on his head, yeah. Yeah. And so he you know, they even actually have a line in this movie where when uh, Jasmine Savoy Brown's character is talking to Tate and character, she says something about Stu. And then Jasmine Savoy Brown says, if you even believe he's actually dead. Yeah. I, that, so there is that little little seed. I don't know if it means anything. It might just be a fun little Easter egg. But I mean, Lillard would
1: absolutely come back. That dude yeah. would love to come back to this, I bet. I mean, and he was just such a great character. The the because that's where like the scream is great, where he is like spitting up blood and he's saying, my parents are going to be so mad. And I think that that's like that's the ticket to these scream movies, man. That stupid yeah. line that's just so great and delivered so well from him that uh, I, I would like to see him come back. I I could see something like that. I, yo if they bring Palpatine back, they could bring
0: Stu back. Right. <laughs> somehow Palpatine returns. So I'm completely I'm completely all right if somehow Stu Mocker returns. <laughs> I, I do think it's it's an extremely silly theory, mm. and and yet I kind of want to see it. Like we're at the point with this franchise where. I, I want to see some kind of big, big tie-in. And not that, like, I need that. I'm completely okay with, you know, Dermot Maroney just being like, well, my son was killed by you in the last movie, so I'm going to kill you now. I'm fine with that, and I think they could keep doing fun stuff like that. But Stu coming back to, to kill Sydney is yeah. just such a oddball theory, and yet it's, it's so, like, the horror genre does stuff like this. And if Scream's going to continue to be satire and be meta towards that genre— Having something so grand and stupid is, I think, actually a, a fun idea. I'm interested in it.
1: Well, I mean, if we think about it, this one ties everything again. Like, Scream 5 tied everything together. Scream 6, they have, like, just illustrations of all the deaths, like, including, like, I think I saw Henry Winkler in there. <laughs> like, yeah. Just, like, and so I was just like, okay. They, and, and the Which was, this made me laugh out loud in the theater where no one else laughed, but uh, the burnt-up fax machine um, from Scream 3, which I thought was so damn funny all right so they're 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 still playing with this idea of like continuing to tie it together and i you know sometimes that works well and sometimes that's a spectra and bond where it's like why are we tying this together still so i think it goes either way and uh i don't know i would like to see it a little bit
0: yeah it's you know it's a it's a out there theory but (laughs) i i think Lillard would just ham it up so well i think i i can imagine him playing this kind of bitter version of Stu, who's like returned for sydney it's just it's really dumb but i can see Lilith having the time of his life doing it oh he would have
1: fun it would be fun watching him too as dumb as it would be it would be fun to watch him a little bit
0: yeah i think about his line deliveries in the original scream just all the time just, oh. you hit me with the phone dick it's just one <laughs> of those moments that's just like ingrained in my my consciousness oh man do you have a uh, do you have any final thoughts on Scream Six before we like rank the franchise and, and kind of wrap up? I
1: guess if you want to see uh, bad Melissa Barrera, if you think this is bad Melissa Barrera, watch that uh, Netflix uh, limited series called Just Breathe. That is bad Melissa Barrera. So you know, let's let's count our lucky stars that we got her like putting in a good performance here, which I still think it is a lovely performance. It's it's a tough one to do. So, but yeah, uh,
0: yeah, that that'll be my one recommendation there. <laughs> Is that, uh, that that's a Netflix series that she's in?
1: Yeah, it's like a plane crashes in like the Alaskan wilderness. It's a terrible series, and she's not good in it. So it's it's, oh, a, no. it's, it's, it's basically a disrecommendation. But you know, right? Like, but uh, it's it's still interesting nonetheless.
0: It's like a positive recommendation and then a bad recommendation.
1: Yeah. <laughs> if you want to like Scream Six more,
0: right? I I do like Melissa Barrera. I think people are kind of weirdly harsh on her because when in the heights came out everybody was like she's great she's delightful she's very fun to watch and then scream five came out and everyone's like she lives in the shadows of Nev campbell she's terrible and i'm like all right I that's think what happens way to too harsh
1: franchise yeah like you know you're, yeah. you're gonna try to like you know you know sometimes it falls the other way where you know Jen ortega is like beloved by everyone so i think it's just like it's it's a tough uh, audience reaction where the chips fall where they may
0: yeah and I do think actually there's an interesting thing about Jenna Ortega being the co-lead in this movie might make people more harsh towards Melissa Barrera. Oh, yeah. people love Jenna Ortega so much that they just kind of rail on Melissa Blair- Barrera because she's easier to uh to dislike. She's not that the same not star like power it. yeah um yeah, I think my, my, my final thoughts on Scream Six are just like this is probably the best sequel that we've gotten in this franchise mm-hmm. for a very long time, and it, it might be better than Scream Two. I don't know if I can rank it higher than scream two, but I think I might. So, um, scream six is a four and a half star movie for me. I really loved it. What would you rank it out of five? So I gave it
1: a B and so I, I don't do have, so I'd say it's a four out of five just from those fake out deaths that really pissed me off. But, uh, yeah, after that, this is still like a damn fine scream movie, a damn fine horror movie, a lot of fun. Cause horror movies should also be fun as we, as we learned in scream five, they don't all have to be
0: elevated horror,
1: right. <laughs> but uh, like it, it, it still works without a doubt.
0: Yeah, I like the Scream 5 leans so much into the elevated horror idea, and then this one just steps away. It's yeah, like, All like, right.
1: like a, we, we covered it then, we're good now.
0: <laughs> yeah, we don't need to be addressing Hereditary and the Babadook in every other scene in this movie. <laughs> Although you do get some, uh, when they're on the subway, you get some really fun little Easter eggs and some fun visual references. Like, I seen uh, Samara Weaving's Ready or Not character is a Halloween costume that somebody's wearing really? on the subway. Yeah, loved that. Uh, the Babadook is in the background in the shot where Ghostface is staring at. Uh, Jasmine Savoy Brown there's somebody dressed as the, Baba Duke. So the Babadook so there's some fun Duke. stuff like that so
1: obviously you see Hellraiser they they hold on him for a little while uh, yeah I didn't realize Red, the ready or not costume is actually a really good costume and really easy. It's great to you just rock a wedding yeah. dress and then throw like a uh like a bunch of bullet a bullet strap over over it and you're good
0: a bunch of blood on you and you're good to go <laughs> <laughs> thought that was fun though it's really cool to see them throw that reference in I don't it's like we get two kind of ready or not references here we get Samara Weaving to kick off the film and then we get that that outfit I thought that was pretty cool. Um, what are your What are your rankings of the Scream franchise? If you had to go uh, best to worst,
1: if you saw me using my phone, I just panically did them right now. So these are okay. very much on the fly. Um, I, you know, I'm I'm a basic bitch. Scream is the first; like it's just the original. It started it all. Uh, even if other ones are of better quality, I always have trouble, like you know, <laughs> putting something yeah. else there. Um, I do have Scream Five next, and this is interesting because in terms of Scream movies. Scream 5, like, is not as close to the Scream movies, but I think as a movie itself, Scream 5 works very well, and, you know, yeah. I, was, I was nervous about that one, and it worked out. Um, I just like so many of the scenes in Scream 2. Um, I really do like – there's some scary moments in there that I really like. I thought it was a pretty notable sequel. Um, I agree with the comments about it being a little bit rushed, but, uh, you know, I think um, – up next after that is Scream 6. Um, you know, that could move as time goes on. But uh, as of now, Scream 6 is right there. Um, it feels comfortable there. Um, I do have Scream 3 next. Um, so Joe, Joe definitely has Scream 3 a lot higher. I, Scream 3 is, <laughs> like, it's such a goofy one. It really is because it is definitely the lightest of them. It is yeah. the like strangest one, like you said, it's in LA as opposed to the other ones, and it's very, very meta. Um, like literally, like the director is the ghost face. <laughs> and so, um, it like it's a goofy movie. It's like even lit, like more like not only like lighter in terms of tone, it's lighter in terms of the actual lighting. And um, you know, I think the problem that one became the victim more than any of them of the TBSification of scary movies like that was more than like i think two or one ever were was on script like was on tbs very funny and so uh but there's like some really funny stuff in there like parker posey just mocking gail king the whole time um yeah and i like there's just like some a lot of funny stuff Where when i revisited that one or you know pardon me saw it for the first time um uh like two years ago i said you know this is pretty enjoyable it's a really strong deviation away from the rest of them but not yeah. in the sense of like, you know, they are still poking fun at themselves. So that's why like, that's why like there's this Scream 3, like weird cultish love, <laughs> like which which Joe absolutely loves. And I, we, we've gotten into fights about it. And then Scream 4, honestly, Scream 4, my only issue is I truly like, I this is when I watched them all together. And that was the last one I watched. And I just don't remember a thing from it. And so I I, I just remember being like, you know, this wasn't the time where it, lo- it was like just when digital came out. And oh, I remember yeah. just when digital came out and all the movies looked like shit. And like now, I'm not someone that rails against digital now. Digital's fine now. But like when it came out, it looked bad. And yeah. I, I remember like watching this one and I was like, oh God, like, it really messed with me. And so it, it, I, I think there's a lot to it. I should rewatch that one more than all of them. But uh, I guess if it's that forgettable, that can't be a good sign.
0: Well, that's how I feel about three. I actually owe three a rewatch because I remember when I watched this franchise and I really fell in love with Scream, I think I was about you know, six, 15 or no. So it was 16. I was 16 years old. I just fell in love with this franchise and I hit three and I was just like, it's not gory. It's like, it's not <laughs> as funny as the other movies. It's a lot stupider. Like the, the ghost face voice box where he can just sound like anyone just pissed me off. I was like, I feel like this movie has become the movies that scream was making fun of. And it might've been intentional to do so. There's but, a meta meta in there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think I'll give it a rewatch because I'm hearing a lot of people kind of reevaluating scream three and, and coming around on it again. And, joe's opinion on it i think it's is it his number one it's not his number one but he has it in like i think the top half i think um, okay i saw it on there you take a look. look yeah i think that that inspires me to give it a another go because and i will say I, you
1: watched it at 16 no one's gonna like scream 3 at 16 there's like, yeah, that's true. like that because like at that point that's when i'm sure both you you as well we hit our movie snobby right around that peak and so yeah. I think like 18, you
0: know, 18 is where I became a letterboxed asshole. For we are sure.
1: never going to like stream three with that kind of like, with that kind of like <laughs> eight, at that age. Yeah.
0: I think, yeah, I think that's a good point. I did revisit it at one point, but that was at a a drunken night with friends. So first time I watched it, I was too young. Second time I watched it, I was a little drunk. So I think I owe it, I owe it just a, a clear minded rewatch to appreciate it for what it is. Maybe.
1: I don't know. Getting pretty drunk before it probably sounds like a good idea.
0: <laughs> All right. I'll, I'll do that the next time as well. Then I think, yeah, my ranking it's not like entirely off from yours. I, I also, really quickly before I do it, I did want to say Scream 4 is very ugly. I completely agree oh, with you. Man, that movie's like, visual style is just horrid.
1: Oh, man, it, it was the victim of the early. Like, there were so many movies like that at that time. I remember, like, because it was around 2010. And I remember just, like, so many movies of big budget at that time were just rough to look at.
0: Yeah. Um, my ranking in last place for the time being, it could shift, is Scream 3, um, followed by Scream 4, which is. A, a movie with moments that I really like. And then the rest of it, I was just kind of like forgettable Is probably the easiest word to describe for, I think a lot of people have that problem with four where they're just like, I just don't really remember it aside from like Hayden Panetta being in it and Emma Roberts being the killer. Oh, yeah. um, and then in fourth place for me, I have scream five scream 2022. Cool. Um, and this is kind of where the point I hit the point in my list where like, I like almost all of these kind of equally yeah. like the the bottom two are the outliers where I'm like, you know, these are lesser than the other ones for me. But then once you hit Scream 2022, I'm like, they're just kind of all consistent from there. Yeah, I feel the exact um, same
1: way. Like, none of these are movies I don't like, with the exception of Scream 4, which I already rewatch. Like, I, I think all of these are just solid Scream movies.
0: Yeah, like, I ranked the Rocky franchise on the Instagram, and just a lot of people were like, yo, Rocky 3 should not be this low. I'm like, they're all good. Rocky 3 is only low because I like the other ones a little bit more. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so in my third place, I have Scream 2. There you go. Um, beloved love that movie really just have a, such a soft spot for it even the scenes that people hate like i the i think i love you musical number people despise <laughs> that scene and i'm just like i don't know it's, it's kind of fun um so yeah scream 2 I, I hold dear but scream 6 did manage to slide in there and steal I that like spot it. because i'm just so impressed by the craft of this movie and how six movies in they're able to breathe such fresh life into this franchise and make it something that i want more of and i, I was at the point with five where i was like wrap it up call yeah. it a day we're done <laughs> um and now i just want more and i think that that's a testament to how impressive six is and then number 1 you know as it should be scream the original scream which is just a classic it's a masterpiece
1: it, i and i will i will say with scream 2 especially like just to go back to that one i think that you know yeah that one does get shit on a lot but their discussion of sequels is really good like i remember great. they're in that film class and their discussion, of the sequels are some of the most enjoyable
0: except there's a really funny detail about that scene where um uh Jamie Kennedy Jamie Kennedy's character says something about somebody quotes the line from Alien where it's like, get away from her, you bitch. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, I believe the line is stay away from her, you bitch. This is film class, isn't it? And I'm like, no, the line is actually not stay away from her, you bitch. It's get away from her, you bitch.
1: I, I always I, I can never trust myself with those kind of movies just because like now it's like there's 18 directors' cuts, so who knows which one I saw. Uh, like especially with like, well, that's that's not Ridley, that's uh Cameron. But still, like there's always so many director cuts, like who knows what the real stuff is anymore. Cause they, <laughs> they just erase it. But uh, I think you are right. It is getaway. That's interesting. I, you know what? If that is unintentional, that's a bad sloppy move. If that's intentional well, though, of like, you know, like <laughs> Jamie Kennedy being like a film obsessed, like, you know, snotty loser. And then like getting that line wrong is kind of awesome.
0: Yeah. It's kind of hilarious. What I believe I had read happened with that scene is the, the guy who says the, the original line about it. He didn't remember the line of dialogue. So he quotes the, the movie correctly. And then Jamie Kennedy to adapt Incorrectly quotes the movie to to keep the scene going, but it it completely kind of pops the bubble of what what they were going for with that with that scene.
1: Now my head hurts. Now my head. I know. Hurts. that's actually bonkers. <laughs>
0: we're getting we're getting too meta.
1: Oh my god.
0: Um. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I think that's my rankings of the franchise. Um, do you have any other thoughts on on Scream Six or on the Scream franchise? Just to wrap up.
1: Um. You know, we could do like a ranking of like all types of franchises, or even all types of horror franchises. But this is pretty damn close to the top because its misses are still good, and I think all of like I I don't think Scream has a bad movie in it. I mean, some a little bit lower, like three and four, but I don't think there's a bad movie there. And I think that like they've reinvigorated it so much that I'm like all aboard for a seven,
0: eight, nine. Keep it going until things get rough. Yeah, I completely agree. I hope we never have to see these movies get bad. I just. I want them to stay good. If we ever lose radio silence, just call it a day. Yeah. Like, if, right, if they're gone. Don't do it anymore. Yeah. Well, Sean, thank you for joining me. Do you want to like, just give out your socials and, and let people know where they can find you? So I'm on math teacher
1: movies at Instagram. I'm on math teacher uh, movies on uh, Twitter, but that's just all my Instagram posts. Like <laughs> because I'm not a big Twitter guy, um, but uh, yeah, math teacher movies on Instagram and the guy at the movies podcast comes out pretty much every Monday, uh, sometimes a little bit later um and uh awards outlook on com where i just put up my awards predictions and i'm terrified
0: yeah waiting to see tonight how things hold true for your for your predictions boy, they're pretty oh good though i was looking through and i was yeah. actually using them to try and help grade what i'm thinking on it so
1: it's so tough cuz you don't want to go like with chalk on everything and what everyone's saying but everyone's making good cases of the ones that i didn't do where i have some uh some interesting
0: uh shout outs but i don't know yeah but and what's interesting too is like I uh I think everyone's just like everything everywhere is gonna take everything, and I love that movie and I'm I'm rooting for it. But I tried to just pick some other ones in some categories so I'm not just going for a full EEAO sweep.
1: It's gonna be a pretty close to a sweep. I think like yeah, the technicals are gonna be interesting. I think the technicals are gonna spread the love a little bit more, but it's gonna be very top heavy. Um, everyone's saying Jamie Lee Curtis. I still got Carrie Condon. I'm like what? me too. But I don't know. People are making really good arguments for Jamie Lee Curtis, and so now it's starting to freak me out. But I'm still.
0: I'm still focusing on Condon. You know, we're getting into a little Oscars talk here, but I think with like, (laughs) with, with Jamie Lee, it's one of those things where I don't think that she deserves the award for this movie. And I think that she's such a beloved actress. And so they want to award her talent. And I'm here for that. I love Jamie Lee Curtis, but I was rewatching everything everywhere all at at once, two nights ago, actually. And I just love the movie, but I was like, Jamie Lee's good in this movie, but she's like, she's not, she should not be winning awards for this performance in my opinion. Some people
1: are already doing the thing where um, because like Condon, Bassett, and Jamie Lee are all standouts, that the votes are going to get split hardcore and it's going to go to Stephanie Hsu. <laughs> Which oh, I'm like That'd be I'm interesting. Like, you, damn it, don't you dare do that. <laughs> don't you dare give me that
0: hope. It'd be crazy if almost all the lead acting categories went to – so we have Kiwi Kwan taking Best Supporting Actor, yep. Michelle Yeoh likely taking Best Leading Actress, and then if Stephanie Shu won that, that would be – crazy
1: this that would be the first time that happened since 1976 network um wow this would be the closest of the like main five which was silence of the lambs in 1991 since silence of the lambs they can't do the main five because there's no best actor but
0: uh (laughs) like it's getting crazy yeah well um recently we actually just joined the story arc podcast network which is something i've wanted to mention on the show very good very excited about this this is something that uh joe and has started up and uh guy at the movies the podcast is, is a part of it there's a bunch of other great podcasts i'm really excited to to explore where we go with that but i'm, I'm happy to say that the dive in movie cast is a part of uh, story arc podcast network and so i'm looking forward to the future with that
1: it's going to be such an awesome thing i'm so happy we're all a part of it together and i think that like yeah. the, the the uh those that are on this network is it's a good group already and we're currently expanding so if you're listening and you have a podcast and you want to join the network definitely get on
0: there send it in yeah it's super exciting well, Sean, thank you for being here. Thank hey, you for so much the screen movies been. with me. Oh, this was, yeah. so, this was so much fun. I had a blast. I'm glad we finally got you on here and we're going to have to do it again soon and get Joe on here as well. Definitely, definitely. But until next time, thank you for listening. If you want to check out some of our other episodes, including uh, our episode on the screen movies, which came out around last January, uh, we're available wherever you get your podcasts. We're on Instagram at the Dive In Movie Cast and our individual Instagrams. I'm at Hayden Kutris and Wesley's is at Wesley Giffen. And it's the same name on our letterboxed. So thank you for listening. And until next time, this has been the Dive In Movie Cast.